family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security Services. We are excited to be with you today on Business Radio X. We're broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security Services, this show is also brought to you by Sosby's Garage, which you just heard a clip, and the Mana Scholarship Fund that broadcasts on this show uh, alternate weeks with me. She'll be here. Uh, Jeannie Burnett, well, Dr. Jeannie Burnett will be here next week. Listen in. It's a, it's a great show. It's got a lot of good information. On every show, we feature businesses and organizations in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve the Gwinnett County area. While all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we will touch on that and, and other related aspects of security as we go through the course of our shows. Our guest today, I'm very happy to have Mr. Scott Modsley, and he is, if you haven't heard of him, I know you may have heard of what he does, he's the Vice President of Corners Academy, and that is with Corners Outreach, and it is a great program. He's going to uh, kind of describe to you here shortly, but Scott, I, I want to ask you the question I generally ask most everybody that comes on, who is Scott Modsley, and where do you come from? What brought you into here, and what got you into what you're doing? Absolutely, Rick. Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here today. It's an honor. And, uh, you know, I think who is Scott Mosley is kind of an evolving question. <laughs> with all of us. <laughs> That's with all of us. I turned 49 last week, and so I'm firmly in the second half of life, as they say. You're a child. Yes, I am. So I'm, a, I'm an East Coast mutt. So I grew up in Michigan, where my dad was a small business owner, and I lived there for uh, most of my childhood and then moved to Miami, Florida. I graduated high school in Miami, Florida. So awesome. from the farm to the 305, that was quite a transition there. I landed in school in Virginia and then in, uh, I'll see, 1999, I moved to West Palm Beach, Florida and was down there. Uh, I met my wife there. So my wife Natalie and I have been married for 20 years this past March. Congratulations. We have a 16-year-old son who's a sophomore at Buford High School, and then an 11-year-old daughter who's a sixth grader at Buford Middle School. Terrific. So we community, and uh, in 07, we had an opportunity to move from West Palm Beach here to Atlanta. And so that started our Atlanta journey. And Atlanta is home. We love it. We're not going anywhere. Uh, we like the nice balance between a little bit of winter, not quite Michigan, and a whole a lot more summer. warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But not the same as South Florida, right? Exactly. So I've been 26 years. I, I The best way to describe me would be as a social entrepreneur. Most of those years has been as a local church pastor uh, in churches in Virginia, Florida, California, and obviously here in the Atlanta region for the past uh, 13 years. But I love to start things. 
I love to fix things, right? I, I just troubleshooting, that type of thing. When it comes down to kind of tweaking the dials and just making little things, I'm not very good at that stuff, right? MacGyver Jr. <laughs> yeah, Mac- <laughs> MacGyver Jr. So in uh, what really kind of got me connected to the community is uh, we made a move. We were living and coming at the time, and I was on staff at 12 Stone Church mm-hmm. here in Gwinnett. And I was invited to become a campus pastor at our Sugarloaf campus. Sits right there at Sugarloaf in 85. Right. And we knew that if I was going to take that role, we were going to have to move from Forsyth County to Gwinnett. So eight years ago, uh, we moved here to the Buford area, and that got us connected to Gwinnett County. In the midst of all that, I transitioned into becoming the outreach director at 12 Stone and really started to engage with the nonprofits in our community. As a church, we were very committed to supporting the community with volunteers and resources and just found my heart being drawn toward what was happening in the community with our nonprofits and the great needs and great challenges that are represented. And that's kind of how my heart got to the place of joining the Corners Outreach team. Well, I know that you do a tremendous work with the uh, uh, Latino community. Yes. And in outreach in a lot of ways. But, you know, I know you work, the work at Corners does uh, deep, it, deeply personal for you. Yep. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the outreach program and kind of how Corners Outreach got started? Yeah, absolutely. So on the personal side, Rick, I always like to start here because it's kind of full circle moment in working at Corners for me. So my dad was a small business owner in Michigan uh, and uh, did fairly well uh, when I was a younger child. And he made a move to another part of Michigan, tried to reestablish that business, and it never worked. And so that began a lot of financial struggles for our family. In fact, there was many times when we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And our little faith community delivered groceries to our doorstep to help us. Many times where our power was turned off, right? And so we had uh, hide and go seek in the dark, right? Not because uh, we wanted to, because we had to. And uh, the net net of that journey was that we ended up um, going bankrupt. We lost our home, lost everything. My family lived in a tent. Uh, Four boys and my mom and dad for several weeks, homeless, trying to figure out what the next step was. So between the age of about 8 and 18, I lived in 14 different physical houses. Wow. My four years of high school, I went to three different high schools, including that move from Michigan to Miami, Florida, before my senior year of high school. That's a big transition. A huge transition. And so to say that my life was about adapting would be an understatement. (laughs) It was adapting at every turn. Yeah. And so I learned how to thrive in that adapting. But one of the gifts that I had was in the midst of all those challenges, you know, my my mom left as a part of that, took two brothers with her, left my older brother out with my dad. I mean, all that painful, difficult stuff. I had people around me that were investing in me. I had people around me that cared for me. I had people around me that I could have a conversation with and they would mentor me and they would ask tough questions and they tried, tried to really keep me on the straight and narrow. And so... My family experience and what we had to go through uh, is really in many ways what our families that we're working with here, primarily in the Latino community, we work both in Gwinnett County and DeKalb County, in some ways I can really relate to their experience. The fear of not knowing where the next meal may be coming from, trying to work as hard as you can but not being able to make ends meet. Uh, In some ways I can't relate to their experience, right, of being immigrants and some of that. But when I think about what my family had to go through, and the pain that I had to experience as a kid, and all the wrestling and struggling. And the need for support. The need for support. One of the greatest gifts that I have today is I get to do work, and our team gets to do work that can help families 
hopefully experience, especially their kids, uh, not have to experience what I had to go through as a kid. And so that really drives me day in and day out is if I can just help them have a little bit better life and not have to deal with some of the same struggles that I did, then I consider that to be a win. So that, that, it's, that's an awesome story. You know, it, that support that is there growing up, and it's not just necessarily financial support. But the, the, the psychological support, the, it's just so important to kids growing up, which is a lot of the problems where we have a lot of the cultural problems where they go out and they spend a lot, you know, a lot of time in crime and so forth is they don't have that support system yeah. there to help keep them, like you said, on the straight and narrow. Um, Corners has a very unique model compared to the typical nonprofit. Tell us a little bit more about Absolutely. this. Absolutely. So Corners Outreach was started by our CEO, uh, Larry Campbell. And Larry's a business guy. Uh, he started companies, sold companies for almost 30 years. And about 10 years ago, uh, he was involved in the community. And one of the local schools, uh, he went and asked them, how can we help? And they said, hey, we have this little mobile home park down the street off Beaver Ruin that really needs some tutoring help. The kids are struggling uh, with their academics. And so he took a little crew of volunteers in there and started going in and tutoring and doing some of that mentoring type work and discovered that with just a little bit of investment, they could really grow leaps and bounds in their education. And so that began the heart of Corners Outreach. So Larry started on the side, this little nonprofit called Corners Outreach to help with academics and tutoring. That work continues to this day. This next year, we'll tutor about 1,000 students in the community. Wow. And I'll talk about some of the partnerships later on in our time together. But then what happened about three years ago is Larry sold his business, did very well, and was really in a place where he had to decide, okay, do I retire to the golf course <laughs> or do I do something else? And he thought, you know what, I can't leave these families behind. And so as he started thinking about his business work and the families that he's related to, we work with about 600 families across the community. He started to realize that his business background was probably the best investment that he could make in these families, and here's how. Many of our families uh, don't think about what they do in terms of having a job. They think about things in terms of hours. But frankly, in that, many of them are taken advantage of uh, in the community. Exactly. And so what he discovered was he said, I think the best thing I can do to help these families, and so we work with the whole family, is to help them find a place where they can earn a livable wage. Whether it starts there or whether they can grow to that, that would be the best thing we could do. And so he utilized what they call in, 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 in the social sector um, uh, uh, asset community-based development, mm -hmm. which means every person has a gift, has an experience that they can use to be a benefit to others. And so as he started surveying our families, he discovered that most of them, especially the dads, had a background and experience in landscaping. And so I thought, well, I've never run a landscaping company, but I know how to start a business and I know how to run it. And so we started uh, Corners Landscaping mm -hmm. as a part of our industries three years ago. And last year in 2020, even during the pandemic, we paid just about $950,000 in wage checks into the pockets of working poor Latino families to help them earn a livable wage. That's awesome. And give them a hand up, not just a handout. Exactly. And so that really began the work. And so we have a, a self-funding uh, model. Uh, we've since then, when the pandemic started last year, we discovered that over 100 of our moms had sewing experience. So we started more than a mask campaign, and 100% of those profits went to pay moms checks so they could help their families. 
We've recently started a leather business. I have a little leather business. It's been a hobby of mine for about 10 years. So we started uh, helping our teens, paying them to make leather goods. And we started to connect to companies and nonprofits that have a need for custom leather goods uh, so that we can sell those and in the process, not just hire teens, but have a place where we can mentor them and have conversations and help them really figure out where they're going with their life and what that looks like. So we've kind of brought the education and the industries into a place where our niche is vocation. And so we're now starting to say, how do we help get kids in an earlier age onto a track for vocation, right? In the trades, uh, maybe our kids probably won't go to college. 80% of them won't go to college. And yeah, yeah, and absolutely. That is great if they've got a skill. You got it. Yeah, and there's so much opportunity, as you know all too well. Businesses are saying, we can't find workers, and we're saying, we have them. We just got to get them on the right track. Well, you know, and that – you know, innate ability every person has that there is something that they have that is a value that they know how yep. to do or that they can learn how to do. Absolutely. And then once you identify what you like or what you, and generally it's what you like to do, but what you do and you can do well and you hone that skill, it becomes a marketable skill yep. which can learn, can earn you income and teaching them to identify it more as a career process rather than a day-to-day one day at a time a job absolutely hours which a lot of the latinos have is they come in here with that work attitude they're they're uh, excellent in their their whole work ethic absolutely and they focus on each day they what, are they, what are we going it's to survival, accomplish that right? day i mean exactly. it's surviving and they've got to learn to think more like this day but where am i going to be next yeah. week what do, what do I want to do a year from now, which most of the people that come here like that, they don't focus. It's, they're Right now they're worried. Their thought is what they just left. Absolutely. Where they've been. I want more today Yep. so that I have it tomorrow. And tomorrow is about as far as they think is where am I going to be tomorrow. You're absolutely right. And how do you – part of what we do is wraparound services with the family. And so I'll give you an example. Larry often tells this story is that there's one group of – so most of our landscaping employees uh, make a similar wage, right? Mm-hmm. And you get to the end of one week, and there's one group that's really happy with their paycheck, and then there's another group that's not. Exactly. Here's the only difference. That one group is happy on Saturday. They go to Walmart and they plan their food for the week, right? And they bring their lunch with them. The other group, every time they pull into QT on a work day, goes in and spends $20 on food every day. Yep. The only difference is, is that one group knows how to use their money and how to make it last, the other group doesn't. So we recognize part of our job in that social emotional side is to teach the group that doesn't know, how do you make that last? Exactly. How do you stretch that? How do you maybe even down the line invest that, right? So your family can have more. So you're really right. It's helping them think not just about today, but about the future. And of course, all of us, you and I sit here today because others poured into us oh, and absolutely. at times helped us think about that, right? Oh, absolutely. Sometimes beat us over the head. With absolutely. It. Um, and, and that was great. Well, I know that um, the Latino community is the fastest growing d- demographic in our county. Yep. What, what do you want our listeners to know about these families that live within our community? Yeah, well, you know, there's so much noise out there about immigration these days and a lot of negativity around it. And one of the things that has really been, uh, you know, just, I would say, kind of in some ways inspiring for me and in many ways heartbreaking is as I've gotten to know these wonderful Latino families and young leaders that are just so gifted, I realize that they're not, not that much different than me. 
you know uh, they just don't have uh, the life experience that I have here in the U.S., right? And that's what and it's all about is they don't have that past experience. They don't. They don't know. And so when you think about things like uh, many of our parents who immigrated here, their average uh, school grade that they finished was sixth grade. Mm-hmm. So think about trying to tell someone who only went to school, school through sixth grade and then went to work, hey, your child needs to stay in high school, right? They need to complete that. Well, when their child come home, comes home at ninth grade and is struggling and is failing and can't figure it out and they don't know how to help them, What's the first thing they think? Just quit school. Come to work with me, right? We can use the money. They have no idea. And so part of the work we do with parents is to say, hey, your child's opportunity in the United States is very different than what your opportunity may have been in your country. Let's help them stay in school, right? And then also let's make sure that when, when one of our kids' sibling graduates high school and they go land at Wendy's, I'm not knocking Wendy's right as a job. Right. But, but what that ninth grader or tenth grader looks at and says, well, I don't have to finish high school. I can go work there now. Mm-hmm. And so we're reframing their perspective to help them see the opportunities that exist here in this culture, right? And so it really is meaningful and important work. Well, and thinking in terms of not going there and popping the fries in, yeah. but if you do want to choose that, what does it take to become the manager? Absolutely. Or a district manager or an owner of yep. a franchise? Yep. Thinking in those terms rather than – and striving for com- – success in those terms rather than just that again day-to-day yeah Rick, burgers. that's something that we talk about all the time is, is that we want to help our kids and we're in a new initiative now as I mentioned we're bringing together our academy and our industries into what we're calling the workforce academy and we're focusing on that 16 to 24 year old and what we want to do for them is not just talk about a job we want to talk about a future mm-hmm so uh, one of my buddies, uh, Byron, owns several of the Little Caesars here across our community, and they do a lot in the community, great family. And I went to Byron and said, hey, a couple of our kids have some experience at Little Caesars. They quit to go do something else. But what I need for them to be able to do with you is could we sit down and don't just offer them a job, but could you cast some vision to say, hey, if you stay with us for a year, right? If you stay with us for two years, if you stay with us for three years, you can become a regional manager, you become an assistant manager, and now you have a good salary, you have benefits, you have a 401k, all these things they don't think they have access to. They if find someone out could tell possible. them it's possible, they'd be willing to do it. And so it's interesting as we're also educating a lot of our businesses in the community to say, hey, if you want to reach this community, here's how you do that. I think that's as much if not more important than what you're doing for the Latinos on an individual person-to-person basis yeah. is educating the community itself how to best access and use this community to benefit Gwinnett County and Absolutely. our community and their business because they're, if you if you put both prospects or both prospects together and this person needs somebody to work yeah. but they need somebody that will go into you know they need managers and all that You've got a, uh, a community here that the work ethic, work ethic is strong. Absolutely. And their desire to work is strong. Yep. And their dependability is strong. Mm-hmm. How do you put those two together to benefit that business in the long run? Yeah. And, I mean, that's a win-win situation for both the Latino community as well as the business. It really is. And, you know, I, I have a lot of my friends that will kind of get frustrated and say, well, wait a second, there's, you know, there's, there's all these jobs, right? <clears throat> there's all these people that need to work. It should be simple. 
Well, the challenge it's is not nothing is simple. as simple, right, as we think, but especially in the Latino community, because trust is so important. Absolutely. One of the reasons why Corners is so successful is because Larry has, for 10 years, invested and served and given back. And he was blessed to do this, but he's never taken a salary from Corners, right? He didn't have to. He said, I just want to give of myself. So families have seen over time that we're there to invest in them and care for them, which means they trust us, right? And that's big in the Latino community. And then we also have to follow through on our word, right? And so it really is about it's helping. integrity. It really is that integrity, you know? And so, uh, and then other simple things we don't think about, right? So if I take a new job, uh, which I did recently when I came to Corners in January mm-hmm. from 12 Stone Church, uh, well, Corners was another 10, 12 miles for me in commute. I didn't even think about it because I have a car. Exactly. Well, if you say to one of our teens or a family member, hey, there's a job three miles from you that can pay you a livable wage, it has benefits, it has a 401k, and there's one car in the family, guess what? That car's going with dad so he can go do his landscaping job. So transportation is something. We have five vans that we've purchased, and we hire our moms to drive those, and half of our kids wouldn't make it to our tutoring without picking them up in the community and bringing them to, the, to our tutoring centers. So until you understand some of those complexities, right, you don't really understand how do we bridge that gap, and so that's the work we're doing. Yeah, and a lot of the businesses don't understand that complexity that they, that they have because yep. I know working in the field of security, we come into situations a lot because a lot of our, our a lot of our people are are minority uh, yep. people, and they have transportation issues. Uh, not everybody has a car. Yep. Uh, buses don't run everywhere. Uh, if you if you live in the city and you work in the city where some of our sites are, it's great. You know, yep. they transit's can, they available. Can, they can take Marta. Yep. But then we have to understand that it's going to take them time to get there. So yep. you have to plan where they're going to be better than if it's like me with a car growing up around atlanta area everything is at least a half an hour away you just learn growing up that if it's a half an hour it's no big deal you know that's you know 20 miles and so you just that doesn't think about it if you think in those terms with a lot of the people that are the uh lower income people that are well that just the the culture is different absolutely yeah well they don't think that way absolutely and you know it's easy because we were born and grew up in america and we understand the culture you know i often have heard over the years well we need more of them need to learn english right and and certainly you know we offer english as a second language for our parents we do a lot of parent training but larry tells a great story that he was sitting in a room this was years ago and, and i don't even i think it was out of state or at least out of the atlanta area he was sitting with a room of really more older, white, very gifted leaders. And someone brought the comment. He said, well, why, why aren't more of these families learning English, right? They're in America. And he said, well, let me ask you a question. He said, how many of you in this room graduated high school and every, room in the hand, every hand in the room went up? And I said, okay. He said, now, how many of you went to college and you got at least an undergraduate degree? Like 80% of the room goes up. How many of you have at least a master's degree, half the room? In this particular room, he said, how many of you have a doctorate or a PhD, right? He said, probably a third of the room raised their hand. He said, now, let me ask you a question. How many of you know a second language? Exactly. Zero. Not a single hand went up. He said, you're talking about people who have an average grade education of sixth grade. And, and all of you, many of you have doctorates and masters and you haven't learned a language. Do you think it's really fair to someone who went this, through sixth grade to tell them they have to learn another language? That's a pretty tough barrier for them to get through, right? But, but the amazing part of many of the Hispanics, just since we're dealing primarily with them, 
amazing part of it is many of them, a great percentage of them, actually do learn the English Absolutely. language. Absolutely, and working Especially hard. Especially the kids, yep. and they work they work overtime doing it. Yep. I know one guy that actually goes through and reads the dictionary. Yep. And tries to learn how to pronounce it, and try. He wants to learn every word. Absolutely. And I'm not doing that. <laughs> I took three years of, of Latin in uh, high school because I was thinking I was going to be an attorney. And I remember some stuff in Latin, but there's very little. Just now, a little. Did it help me in English? Absolutely. Sure. But do I remember? I mean, I look at it now and I think, wow, three years. Yeah. You know, I could have learned French or Spanish. Yeah, absolutely. I lived in New Mexico growing up mm-hmm. for nine years. Uh, the only thing I learned in the Spanish language was when to fight. When they were calling me something that I wanted to fight about, what the cuss words were, what, you know, certain words <laughs> the were. The survival words. The survival words. <laughs> you know, when to fight or when to flight. Um, and I look back on I think, what a lost opportunity. Because I'm living there. I'm around a tremendous amount of the Hispanics mm-hmm. and going to school with them. And I never bothered to even think yeah. about paying enough attention to learn. And I look back on that and think, what a missed opportunity. Well, you know, and what you're talking about, Rick, is is so important. And one of the reasons why, you know, we have to create the bridge, right? You're talking about you had an opportunity for whatever reason that yeah. bridge right, wasn't there. But uh, two-thirds of our staff at Corners right now, we have about 36 staff members now through our landscaping as well as our academy. Two-thirds of our staff are Latino and bilingual because here's what we know. We have to put someone in front of our families who understand where they've come from, have a similar story, who look like them, and who can, can speak their language and communicate, right? And so I really, it's kind of been fun for me. You know, I, I, I joked about being in the second half of life, but I've been so blessed over 26 years to be put on many stages, right? Literally and figuratively, you know, as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Many people have opened the curtain for me to walk out on stage. And one of the things I'm convinced of in this next season for me is that I don't need any more stage time. I want to be behind the scenes opening that curtain so some of these great young Latino leaders get an opportunity to be on the stage. And we were at a little offsite doing planning a couple months ago, and the team asked me, they said, hey, uh, what, do you, what do you think about our team? Uh, you know, what, what, I said, well, probably the, my favorite team I've ever led, and here's why. You all are so gifted. In fact, you don't know how gifted you are. And the opportunity for you in the days ahead is so big. And I cannot wait to be the one that helps you discover who you are and then gives you those opportunities. And so I have a kind of little, a little moniker uh, that I say it's not about me, but it's not without me. Mm-hmm. The humility of it can't be about me anymore, right? Like I've got to be there to serve others. But without my influence, right, I get to be in places like this. I get to advocate for people. I get to say things in rooms with leaders they don't get to say, right, that builds a bridge for them to have opportunity. And I think that's that's the work we're trying to do. Well, I, I tell you, and it's great. Look, Corners is known uh, of your belief in collective impact. Yep. Tell us a little bit uh, about some of your current partnerships Absolutely. while you're doing that. So we've worked with hundreds of other nonprofits and organizations across the community. Uh, you were talking about the need for jobs filled. Without even putting word out right now about our Workforce Academy, we have over 600 jobs of companies that have come to us and know what we do, and they're saying, we need, we need workers, right? I mean, that, that's happening. So we're doing work on the business side, uh, but I'll give you a couple of our latest partnerships that have just been really cool. So the Atlanta Community Food Bank is the largest provider of food for nonprofits across the Atlanta region. Mm-hmm. We started a partnership with them on their COVID uh, feeding programs, and for the last several months, 
Uh, on average, twice a month, we've been feeding over 200 families at each of those, so over 400 families, Latino families from the community who don't have access to food because of transportation or who are very concerned about showing up at some of our co-ops because they ask for certain information and that they're fearful of that, yep. right? And so we've been partnering with the food bank to put a lot of food into the community. Diaz Foods is one of the largest uh, uh, ethnic food grocers in the country. Their main operations here in Atlanta and Diaz Foods, we're doing every other week. In fact, today we sent out a box truck to pick up six pallets of uh, ethnic foods, the foods our people eat, right? Sometimes they look at American food and go, I don't know what to do with that, right? Like, give me an eggplant and what? I don't know. <laughs> so we're picking up this food from Diaz Foods and we're helping our families, right? Wraparound services. We're giving food to them at least uh, once a month or a couple times a month. Because here's what we know. If we're tutoring their kids and we're hiring the dad and we're giving food to the mama, when dad comes home one day from work and has had a rough day and says, I'm going to quit, guess what mama says? You aren't quitting. We're getting 50 pounds of food. They're working with our kids, right? Absolutely. We know that we have to influence the whole family. So that's been really cool. Another thing that just showed up for us, we love our schools. We're not here to replace the work Gwinnett County Public Schools was doing. They're doing great work. We're here to try to connect the Latino community to them. And so uh, we're, we're, we just got the bid for tutoring. They just kind of opened up the bid to the community. We were one of three nonprofits. That they said, we want to accept your bid, and we want to partner with you on helping to tutor kids in our schools. So we're working on that. Another interesting project that's on the horizon is that uh, the, the school system came to us last year and said, we have over 1,500 dropouts right now, 9th through 12th grade. About 53% of those are Latino students, and we're not sure how to reach them. We don't speak their language. They don't necessarily trust us because we're the government, but you guys have a relationship. Would you go help us figure out how to vet them and either get them back into school, right? Because some of them dropped out because they have to care for their kids because mom had to go to work or mm -hmm. because they had to go to work. Or would you help them get on a GED track and start to move them towards a vocation that can fill jobs in the community? And so those are, those are just a couple. I could probably tell you 10 more stories of partnerships that we have in the community uh, because we believe that we have to do it together. None of us can figure it out alone. Yep. And if we can leverage all the great resources across our community and we can figure out how not to fight right but to work to step together on each other's toes. step on each other's toes right uh, or recreate wheels that are already yep. out there and doing well right just partner with them and we really think we can make a big dent in some of these social issues so oh, well, i totally agree with you um i've heard mention uh that there are five ways a church a business or even an individual can engage with the corners yeah can you explain that a little bit to us yeah so this really came out of my days uh, at 12 stone and and uh, looking at what resources do we have as a church that could be a great partner in the community and what i've discovered over time is whether it's a church or a business or even an individual the five resources are very similar first one is simply volunteering Right, we have a need for volunteers. Uh, we're, we're getting ready to move into a season with this tutoring bid where we need to hire teachers, not even volunteers. We're going to pay them a good amount of money to come in and help kids, one-to-one, one-to-three tutoring, uh, especially like retired teachers who really would like to get back into it, that type of thing. But volunteering is a big deal, right? And that can be at any of our nonprofits. The second one is what I call uh, so strategic service. One of the things I love about our community is there's so many gifted business leaders like yourself, right, or teachers of the year or entrepreneurs that have gifts that could be used to invest in others. And sometimes you have a leader that spends five days a week excelling and building their business, and they look around and go, you know, I could drop off some food or I could pack a box, but how do I use this gift, passion, and experience to give back to the community? 
And so we love taking business leaders and figuring out. We had a guy that just retired. He was an acquisition specialist for like a $2 billion company. And we had a little job, so much smaller than who he is, but we had a little job that was kind of thinking about, do we want to acquire this little business? And I said, hey, would you jump into this and just kind of look at it for us and use your skill and experience and tell us if it's a good idea? He thought we hung the moon, right? Because he got to use that skill to help something in the community that made a difference. So those strategic opportunities are really important to us. Absolutely. Uh, the third one is this: what we're doing here, helping us tell the story, right? Like so much of this is just telling the story of our families, uh, you know, capturing people's hearts with the work that we're doing. And that can happen on stages, in podcasts, right, uh, on golf social courses. media, golf courses, absolutely. <laughs> uh, then the fourth one is just resources you might have. You know, so at 12 Stone, we had a great building that we made available to the community. Uh, I was meeting with a guy last week that said, hey, I collect cars, and I go to Mecham auctions, and I buy and sell all the time. And he said, uh, what I like to do at least once a year is, he said, I like to buy one, fix it up. I like to sell it at auction, and I like to give some of those resources to something in the community. So he said, could we do something in partnership with you guys? Said, sure, absolutely. That's a resource that someone has that they enjoy that they want to use to give back. So that's the fourth one. And then lastly, certainly the grants. Right, And so we have a lot of great partners uh, that give. Uh, some of them joined our 931 club, which we say, hey, if we're going to tutor 931 kids this next year, if you gave a, a penny right, a, a month for all 931, that's $9.31 a month. Well, that's a big deal, right? And then, of course, we have people that can go up from there, but obviously the opportunity to give. And for us, the cool thing is because of the way that we do nonprofit, and this does make us unique, is when we say to a, a, a grantor, hey, you know what, can you help us buy this lawn equipment, right? So we buy a truck for $30,000. That truck puts five to six new workers to work, and over a year will generate between $100,000 and $120,000 in profit that goes right into the pockets of people so that the government and our taxes don't have to support, have them. To support them. They can support themselves. So that self-generating nonprofit, right, is, a, is, is one of our kind of unique uh, gifts to the community. I think that's really a, it's an awesome way to look at it, uh, and it's a different way that a lot of people look at it when they when they're looking at something to work with as a nonprofit or whatever. Absolutely. Well, lastly, you know, if people want to connect with you and talk more with you about the work of Corners and and all that, how can they do that? What give yep. us some information? Absolutely. So CornersOutreach.org is our website. Obviously, you can see all the things we're doing there. Uh, LawnCareWithAPurpose.org is our lawn care site, and you can link to that off Corners Outreach. But you can learn about our leather work there. You can learn about what we're doing with masks. Uh, certainly, I think we'll post my, my email address. Reach out to me directly. I'd love to have a conversation or a coffee, especially for those business leaders in the community who are saying, hey, I'd like to do more than write a check. I'd like to figure out how to use what I do well try to help people in the community. Mm -hmm. I love those kind of conversations. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I think that's probably the two best ways to reach out, email, or check us out on the website, and you can email us from there. Well, so. and this, uh, this podcast will be running in the archive, plus it'll be, we're going to be promoting it on social media. Great. You'll be, you'll see it, you'll be having it. We'll be linked be, in there, right? So yep. Instagram and you'll Facebook. You'll have it for all your friends and everything to post as well. It's great. To really help try to get your message out, which is really what this is all about, is how to get your message out, how to help the community, how to help people that want to give back, give back, yep. and do it in a way that is productive and not just a way that they say, well, I wonder if what I did really did any good. Absolutely. And this is one of the ways that people can really see what is what it's producing, what it's actually doing as far as in a positive way. Well, that's one of the things you know, Rick, as a business owner, 
if you don't live by data and understand where your money is going and what the investment you is doing, succeed. you're not going to keep your business, right? And so we brought that thinking into the nonprofit. So we're data-driven, right? We can prove where things are going. We can prove what the outcomes are. We just believe that's a great combination to have the right heart, heart, but also you have to have the head to understand how to put those two things together. Well, you get if that's a success, you can have a success, which Corners is definitely a success. And I love the fact that you've come on and talked with us about it. Get, it helps my understanding because I wasn't really sure about it as much as I am. And now I really understand much better what uh, Corners Outreach is all about. That's awesome, Rick. Well, that was the whole purpose today is to recruit you. So, you know, we'll be following <laughs> up on that. <laughs> well, give me a call. We'll see what we can do. Well, listen, uh, I want to thank Scott Ma- Ma- Maudsley. there you go. Maudsley. My, my brain's working faster than my one. tongue. Maudsley. And it's not how it's spelled, folks. Uh, but anyway, Scott, I want to tell you I appreciate very thank much you. for you coming on, bringing your information about Corners Outreach. And thank you all for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage and Mana Scholarship Fund. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast every other Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking, of course, on Case in Point. The program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or really wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts. And please be sure to hit that subscribe button to Case in Point so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. And for my guests... Mike Modlet Modsley, Scott Modsley. I'm going to get this right here in a minute, folks. Uh, and our producer, Mike. I am Rick Strawn. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets. <laughs> <laughs>